Hey, what's up, everyone? David Staub here with the Magical Stories of Hearing, Healing and Spiritual Gifts podcast. Here's my lovely wife, Megan. Hi, everyone. And we have such a special guest today. We are so excited, and it's kind of crazy uh, actually interviewing and talking to you, Megan, because you, I don't even know if you know how much of a catalyst you actually were for, for not just for Megan and her healing, this entire movement. I mean, we, we, I know we haven't really spoke since the whole ayahuasca thing, not a lot anyway, um, but so much has blown up since then, but none of that would have happened if it wasn't for like absolutely crucial moments and your incredible just love and uh, calmness and yeah. just, I mean, I don't know you how to bring put, peace just, and comfort. And, and I don't know if I would have gone through with ayahuasca if it hadn't have been for you yeah so. not not to jump ahead but man there were just some moments you were just crucial like you have this incredible calming spiritual nature so we're so excited to have you on and have you here with us and introduce you to our introduce our audience to you uh, just to give a little bit of uh, I took most of this from your from your site here to give our audience a little bit of a background um, Megan's facilitated sound med meditations in New York City and at retreats and festivals all over the country. She has a background in classical violin and voice and today works as a DJ, producer, music curator for wellness retreats, which is amazing. I feel yeah. like wellness retreats is actually what's going to help heal this world. So that's awesome. Uh, she's an active volunteer for Zendo and provides a safe space as a sitter for festival participants who are experiencing difficult psychedelic or emotional experiences. Yes, <laughs> we know this. Uh, we have personal experience of that. She's like very angelic. <laughs> yes, uh, she is also a student of. Oh man, I'm gonna do my best not to mess up. Alexandre, is it Tanos? Alexandre Tanous. Oh my gosh, she pronounced that way better. I'm really. Everyone, listen to the way she said that. That's how you pronounce it. An entomusicologist who has studied how sound affects consciousness for 17 years in over 40 countries. And you're also a model and you've done plant medicine uh, dietas in the Amazon jungle. Basically, you're a badass. Yeah, so. pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on with us. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's such an honor to be able to give back to a medicine that I've, I've gained so much from myself. So that is awesome. That's awesome. Really? Uh, there were so many, like I said, I, I said it early on, but you had such a profound impact on Megan during, it was right before uh, the, the ceremony. I mean, even before we left Austin, Texas, though, just communicating with you, even through Facebook Messenger, it gave me the push that I needed to even get there, you know, and yeah, super grateful for you because I had profound healing. I mean, there's still more work, obviously, as you know, <laughs> to be done. But I mean, huge, huge breakthrough, like significant. So very, very thankful. Yeah, and, and before we get into, you know, some of the, the questions for you, just to catch everyone up to speed, you know, uh, pretty much our, our audience is aware of like Megan's story and how she healed. Well, there was a crucial piece of it that we spoke about to our audience, but just to kind of bring more clarification on that piece, the night before her, or the night of her healing, when Megan was just about to like not do it, like it was so much anxiety and fear, Megan was actually the one that spoke to her and- Came down in my room. Can, can, just out of curiosity, I mean, this, can you tell us about that interaction? What was going through your head? Because I know I was personally freaking out because I felt so strongly that I knew we were here and it was going to heal her, but you can't, 
force someone to do something like that. So it's just a tough position to be in. So I come to you, like telling you this, you're, I put you in this kind of awkward position and you just no. somehow had the most- But you know, I think it's because I appreciate the fact that she was like, no, like I basically saying, I know your husband wants you to do this, but if you're you're not ready, yeah. you know, even he can't force you to do yeah, this. Yeah. Like the fact that you said that, it was just like, I don't know. It yeah. just like, it was like a weight lifted off of me. Like the pressure, the so, pressure was like lifted. So what- when you I was going to say, when you remove that pressure, all of a sudden you have the liberty to be able to decide what you actually want to do. Right. And it's like, ultimately, I do want to heal and I am here, but yeah. So can you tell us about that experience? What was going through your head then and what? Yeah. I mean, we, we deal with many people who feel reservations. I, um, fear is a common, if not unilateral, response to working with medicine. Um, I still deal with it every time I go into ceremony myself. I've wow. done over 30 now. Wow, I was going to ask you how many you've done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've lost count. I don't remember how many because I'm also um, participating when I'm helping out in ceremonies. Also. Right. Hmm. So I'm not counting those. So I, right. I'm not wow. really sure how many. But even as a sitter, there are moments of fear just because this this medicine can expose so much of what we're aware of and also some things we're not aware of wow right so um we we deal with fear pretty frequently uh, yeah i figured and i mean it's really our job to reflect what we're getting from people so it's less so about what's going on inside of me it's more i am just reframing what i hear from you nice so in just a supportive manner so if you say i want to do this i don't want to do this i'm going to say well let's think about it like why do you feel like you don't or why do you feel like right. you should? and it's really it's not my job to make any statements it's, it's more just being of support of whatever direction that you want to go into. The, the sitter's job is, is more to provide support and to make the experience a little bit more comfortable, whether it be um, listening or even something as simple as a blanket or some yes. water. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, you gave me breathing exercises and, you know, put your feet up, but what, which actually leads us into like really kicking this thing off because you could resonate with me. You, you had a similar past. And so I found very much comfort in that because it's like, look, this woman in front of me has been through the kind of things that I've been through and she's healed from all of this. You know, and, and that gave me hot. Well, she's in the process of healing. She's come a long <laughs> way. She's come a long way. And it gave me hope and comfort, you know. Um, and so let's just kick this off with like going back to like your childhood, like what that looked like. How were you raised? Were you raised in a religious upbringing? Was it um, spiritual? What was that like, you know, with your mother and father? Because I know there was, you know, some traumatic issues with that. So, uh, in terms of religion, I was baptized uh, Catholic and then uh, raised more Protestant. So it loosened up a bit as I grew up. Um, I did go to Bible study. I did go to summer camps that were very religious, that had a religious focus. Um, but I left that when I was 
in my early teens. I'm not sure exactly what age that was. And I gave up uh, any idea of religion for a while or even spirituality even. It was something I just, I had a moment of reaching out and wanting help because of the negative environment I grew up in. It was a pretty hostile environment. So I, I have a very distinct memory of reaching out to whatever might be out there and getting no response and having this sadness in mm. me and then turning my back on anything spiritual mm. which i resisted for many many years um so and then in terms of the environment i grew up in i i grew up with my mother and she dealt with her issues and to try and respect that relationship as much as i can um it it was not healthy it was a pretty hostile environment there was um substance abuse issues and uh some physical abuse also um yeah i don't know if you have any specific questions but yeah um so leading up to the trauma that you've like that you've had to find profound healing from and you're finding healing from and all of that um what was what was life leading up to the trauma and how did it, how did you feel it changed after? And when did you start realizing the trauma was affecting your life? I didn't, I mean, it was a pretty consistent energy throughout most of my younger life. It, it wasn't something that I realized was atypical until college. And I had, I moved to New York city and started studying acting there. And uh, some friends were, telling me, you know, that's not normal, right? <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> it, it was it was a shock to me, to, to say the least. Yeah. I, I, I had been so far removed and a lot of my friends also grew up in similar atmospheres. Um, so really, I started seeing a therapist in, in school because my teacher made me. Hmm. She, she threatened to kick me out if I didn't start going. And wow. again, I didn't know that I was as bad off as I was until I started having this feedback from friends and from also my therapist at the time that what I had experienced wasn't normal. Wow. wow. Now, did you ever feel like, like you had suppressed emotions from all of that? Yeah. Right. And, and been, yeah, even now it's the therapy I'm, I'm still working on therapy and, uh, I very rarely experience anger. Wow. Mm. Now, did you ever have any, um, did any of that suppression ever manifest as like physical sickness in your body, did, like PTSD? Did you have any like food intolerances, gut issues, insomnia? Like what was the result? Right, girl, I know it all, all too it. well. Um, I mean, the diagnosis for PTSD came about a year ago now. Um, I have had dietary issues since I was an infant. Hmm. so some of the doctors i've been working with suspect that i could have even taken on the nervous system of my mother in utero wow. and then wow. my issue started to develop there um so i have celiac disease which means i can't eat wheat or gluten um and then recently i was in the doctor's office last weekend um turns out that i have a compromised immune system both from i picked up lyme's disease also so it's now compounded to the point where I'm picking up, I have a immunodeficiency, so I'm picking up 
lots of other sicknesses as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, well, it's, you know, one of the things about this world that I just, I knew nothing at all about before Megan and just getting into it and learning more and more is how there was, there was always a separation between like he- gut health and all of this stuff and trauma. And that's so tied together. Oh, yeah. And people are waking up to that now. They think there's these like, medical and I'm not taking away anything the stuff medically that's worked they think there's like a medical or a pill or some kind of answer I tried to every doctor out there we tried everything but to the fact that it's all ties back to well, I realized trauma. that whenever I did ayahuasca after my ayahuasca experience it was just like awake I was just like oh my god all of my sickness that like I've been to eastern western any kind of medicine that you can think of I have done it and it didn't work because I had to have something to help facilitate me to heal myself, right? Like I had to go back, feel it, to heal it. And man, now I get it. Cause I never got it. I remember even as a young age, cause I disassociated from trauma and I was told, oh, well later in life, this, you're gonna, this is gonna come back to bite you. I, I never understood that. And then my God, I totally get it now. And, and it absolutely is the root. The root is trauma. Yeah, if, if there's actually a really incredible interview by Dr. Gabor Mate. So he's a doctor and he has worked in all types of issues like this, but he himself has gone through these experiences where um, there has been the direct link between trauma and illness. So he, he talks about it. I can send you the link, but there's this okay, really incredible it. interview where he, he, he says that uh, he sees a direct link in between trauma and illness. Wow. Yeah, I, I believe that 1000%. And did, before you found, you started to get on the path that helped you find healing, your story is pretty pretty amazing. I want to get into the uh, to that, but before that, did you try Western medicines and Eastern before, you know, the uh, the more alternative, the holistic, the whole more holistic route. Did you try all that? And did, were there any success in Western medicine? So I have the benefit of not being able to afford much of Western medicine. So it's an ironic statement, to... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a, as an artist in, in New York City, I haven't had access to, to most of that. So my seeking of these modalities have come through in a way of not being able to afford otherwise yeah which has turned out to save me a lot of money because a lot of friends i know who have been able to afford it spend all this money on things that don't work yeah girl we'd be living in a mansion if we had all the money that we've spent on doctors oh man (laughs) well so what was it that talk to us about uh not talks about your your MDMA experience. I was reading about that a bit. That was such a, and you know, that's something to that and not to jump around, but that and ketamine actually has been something that as we've interviewed more and more people around the world, like Mike, all these people, we're starting to hear about MDMA and ketamine more and more in these therapies that are just having incredible profound effects. So could you take us through that experience, how you found it and what that experience was like? Sure. Um, I can't really speak too freely about how I found it. Just oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. It is sensitive, and uh, the people involved have asked very explicitly that For I don't sure. share too much information. Yeah. Um, it, it was in the New York area, um, and I I was worked with privately. Um, so in the 
same training as MAPS is doing now. So MAPS is the Multiple Disciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and they have a protocol for uh, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. So I had a male-female team, and uh, one of which had experience in body work, which I very, very strongly suggest that people with any sort of trauma history work with someone who also has body work behind them, because um, trauma is experienced through the body, not so much through the mind. Wow. So we try to process it logically, but really trauma is not it, that logical. It's, it's very much body-based. Yeah, that's uh, why you feel pain in your body, right? Yeah. All sorts of sensations. I mean, people with trauma could feel tingling, they could feel numbness, they can feel a whole assortment of different... Yeah, for me, I have like popping joints. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was much longer than the typical session. Normally, I think they run from about five to six hours. I was going for about eight or nine. Wow. Uh, I'm very sensitive to most things. Um, and really, it just, we went through some talking, but for me, it was mostly physical. So I was feeling a lot of bodily sensation. And so I was working with the body worker to stretch things out and move it around. And she was putting pressure on, I have a particular point in my back that's very sensitive. Um, and I mean, Every time I've gotten it worked on, I, I can't even really get it massaged when I go to massage therapists because um, emotion comes up every time it's touched. Wow. So it's really, it's such a tender spot in my back and she worked on it and um, helped me to vocalize through that experience. So there was a lot of like, like moving it through sound, through voice. And like it went on. I have no idea how long I was going on for, but it, it sounded like an exorcism, what was happening. Wow. Um, that, um, have you seen that show with, I don't watch a lot of TV at all, but I happened to stumble across it um, with Gwyneth Paltrow. It's like the Goop Lab. Yes. She, yeah, she she has, it's the first time I've ever seen that. She had body workers come in there and work on it. So I know exactly, I'm so glad that I saw that right before this. Go figure. So now I know exactly what you're talking about. And now I'm really interested in getting it done. So the most incredible part for me was, I mean, I felt very, very tired afterwards. Um, but the incredible, one of the most incredible parts of this was that that night when I went back to my room, as I was falling asleep, I had a memory come back to me. Wow. And interesting was that I had this memory and I was aware of this memory, but I had emotion attached to the memory for the first time in my life. And it was very simple. It was very sweet. It was just me and my mother in bed and me thinking how beautiful she looked without makeup. But there was all of this emotion around yeah. it that I had never felt before. And then in the days after, right before I'd fall asleep every night, different memories would come back with these emotions attached to them that I had previously cut off that started coming back to me. It was really intense, but really beautiful. And I mean, across the board from sad to happy to just all of these emotions started reconnecting because my psyche had disconnected from so many things to protect me. Right. Wow. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I've never heard something like <clears throat> that. that. And it just makes so much sense. Yeah. That is beautiful. You know, because I've had instances where I've done some trauma breath work, chakra balancing, where 
the same type of thing. Like I go back to feel like that moment when I first ever felt that pain and I breathe into it for like 45 minutes to an hour, however long I need to. And by the end, like I'll feel emotions throughout it, but then by the end I feel great. But then like a couple days later, it's, I guess it's like, it brings it to the surface. It gets it moving throughout my body again. And then I, a couple days later, it's like, all of a sudden I have these feelings of anger and rage. This was before ayahuasca, but um, and all those emotions that came back that finally I was able to just release out, you know? Wow. Yeah, that kind of work. And, and, and it's so crazy because we're so conditioned to think that that type of work is, you know, like cuckoo, cuckoo. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's so powerful, that kind of healing. Yeah, I, people need to be open to it. I absolutely love the work that um, MAPS is doing. I've been following MAPS for years and it's just, it's so cool because it's helping this stigma. You know, I, thankfully, at least, and I, I may be a victim of just thinking this because it's the people that I'm attracting and being around, but I feel like the stigma is changing around the, and the conversations are shifting into a more positive light around these uh, medicines, these, which is what they are, you know, like MDMA, the psychedelics, they're truly medicine. Anything can be abused, but uh, they truly and use the right way and, and in the right situation truly can be medicine. So that's awesome. So after, after that experience, did you continue with that or did, did you, move to a different modality, what happened after that? Because that had to be so profound, I mean, wow. I'm a very strong believer in integration, which is something that you're not really able to do without a, a good therapy team, in, in my opinion, it's someone to have uh, reflect back to you and also who has some um, knowledge or experience in, in the world of psychedelics or at least aware of what's happening and having openness to that because that's a whole another world is finding someone that's comfortable with working with ayahuasca or working with yeah. MDME. Uh, I'm very 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 fortunate to have had a team that is not only open-minded enough but is helping me to integrate these processes so um, it's not something that I've gone back to just yet because I still feel like I'm doing so much work from that one session. I mean, it's wow. That's it's a lot, yeah. That is awesome. Now, what led you to plant medicine? What led you to ayahuasca? It's an interesting. Make too many details. I know you can't. <laughs> no, um, it was actually an article. There is, I believe, it's a CNN reporter. I don't remember her name, but it was long before it really started picking up a lot of momentum in. Um, in the US and she claimed how incredible it was from her. She was a journalist and uh, she had also experienced PTSD. And um, I read this article and what appealed to me the most initially was uh, her ability to talk to spirits. And I had always had an interest in connecting to something outside of me. Yeah. Like this other, because I've had a sense that there's some other something i don't have words or a vocabulary for it i don't really like to um put this definite um vocabulary in something i don't think re anyone really understands yeah <laughs> but i i did want to experience it more and the way that she described it really called me to it and the whole healing and all of those other things came after the fact so it came more as a curiosity first wow. and then all of the work came up where i realized i'm like wow i need it was diet 
first and then physical next. It was uh, psychological, uh, my interpersonal relationships. It, it just it came in waves, all of the different ways in which I needed to improve. I couldn't keep living the way that I was. It wasn't right. healthy. How was your first couple ayahuasca experiences? I know you weren't there the night I had mine, but I'm so curious how intense that was for you. Because it was very intense It was for like me. watching an exorcism. You talk about an exorcism, I'm like, oh girl, that resonates. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. I've had many that were like exorcisms. I mean, they're, they're, to me, they've always been intense, whether they're happy, blissful, uh, sad, um, terrifying. I mean, whatever direction I go in, they, they're always intense. Yeah. <laughs> intensely beautiful. I mean, right. but it's funny. I tell the story of my first experience often. It was actually very short. Huh. I was meditating. I had a pretty decent meditation practice at that point in time. And, um, I was meditating for what felt like a very long time. It must've been 45 minutes or an hour. And then having those thoughts about, well, mm, I don't know if it's happening. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be, but I'll keep meditating and just kept doing it. And then, um, I think they had one serving and another serving and I was like, mm, should I go up for more? Mm, I don't know. Like having that whole inner dialogue about what to do. And then, at one point, all of a sudden, I felt like I was pushing out into something. And there was this incredible black and white, um, like a mandala that started very small and then started getting bigger. Oh. And I freaked out, <laughs> I threw up, and then it went away. Whoa. That was it. That was my first experience. I had what? a moment like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And then I, they had another serving and I was like, no, I'm gonna go up, I'm gonna get more, I'm gonna like do this. And I went out, I got more and nothing happened. Interesting. Wow. It was like this really um, intriguing taste into the experience, but I'm not sure if it was my psyche that wasn't ready. I'm not sure what happened, but something shut it off and then it, I just didn't, have anything after that but what I did associate after the fact was that pushing out was like a, a birthing yeah because it felt like a pressure and then yeah and I was coming wow. out of something yeah wow that came up to me in subsequent ceremonies but um I don't really remember any of the other ones in order they're all kind of patched memories <laughs> yeah thoughts, do but. you do you have any idea of like how how many ceremonies it took for you to feel like you like really got major breakthrough with your healing was there like a magic number that like it, no i mean they're all very very different right i mean i i've and i've also feel like some i felt great after and then would go back again and then feel like i backtracked it was just i mean and i mean there are even some where I would question why I did it, that it wasn't beneficial, that I felt terrible afterwards. And the interesting part was even those ones that I came out feeling worse off, I've learned something from. Mm. It just took a long time to process what had happened. 
Do you feel like it set you back or no? no. Now, no. Okay. In the moment, there have definitely been times where I come out of it and I feel as though I'm set back. But it, now that a lot of time has passed, I saw what I was coming up against. Yeah. And growing pains, it's not always easy. Right. In the moment, because it's very uncomfortable that it's not good for you. But it's just a matter of growing pains are just not easy sometimes. Right. Isn't it interesting how, like, when we do things that are uncomfortable, it's usually when, like, something amazing and beautiful births. I mean, it's so true with anything in life. Mm -hmm. But absolutely with plant medicine. I've never been so uncomfortable in my life. But yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So what made you decide that you wanted to, like, study the plants and, and, and go deep into the heart of the jungle and do the dieta? Like, what on earth? When were you like, all right, I'm doing this? Because that is, and if you could for, for the audience. Yeah, explain that, what a dieta is. Because I'd say most of our audience, have, most of our audience does, but we also have attracted a lot of people from, like, my circle and people that just have never, are just new to all of this. So could you explain what that, what it is first? Sure. Uh, so a dieta um, in the Shipibo tradition, which is the, it's a Shipibo mestizo. So it's more of a, um, it's in the Peruvian Amazon um, and it's a more modernized version than the very strict Shipibo uh, tradition. Uh, Shipibo is an Amazonian tribe in, deep in the jungle, uh, the Amazon jungle of Peru. And um, we do a, a little bit more modernized, but mostly um, it's kept with uh, integrity. The, it's 10 days um, in silence um, and mostly alone. The only time you're around other people is uh, if you pass someone on the path that you're in or um, in the actual ceremonies themselves. So there's 10 days and then there are five ceremonies. Um, and then you're also a dieta, means a diet in, in Spanish. Um, so you're dieting on master plants. They call them master plants or teacher plants because they, they have learned a lot from working with these plants. So uh, ayahuasca is a master plant. Um, and then I've worked with uh, each dieta, I would be prescribed a master plant or two to work with. Um, I've, I've done three dietas now. Um, my first was mostly physical because that's right after I got diagnosed with Lyme's disease. So I was working with uña de gato, which is a cat's claw, we call it here. Um, but they make the teas from the vine that's actually growing in the jungle. And it made me feel so much better. I cannot talk about how deeply that that medicine has has healed me. Um, I still take it to this day. I take the tinctures because it makes me feel so much better. Um, and then my second dieta, I worked with. Um, gonna forget the name. Bobansana. And Bobansana is um, a very feminine plant, um, but it induces lucid dreaming. So it's supposed to help connect with uh, the emotions and the subconscious and which is very intense. I don't know if you've ever had a lucid dream, but it's it's a dream in which you realize you're dreaming and then can manipulate the dream, which is really bizarre. Um, and it, it was every night of my dieta. So it's like, I wasn't sleeping much because I'd get uncomfortable in the dream and I'd wake myself up because I didn't want to have that dream anymore. Um, and then my last uh, dieta, I worked with uh, Shiwa Wako, which is, um, a really big tree and um, it's supposed to bring um, 
um, emotional like uh, strength. I would say like it's like a quiet strength. That's the best way I've come to describe it. Um, but you're so you're drinking these massive jugs of tea that the plants are um, are distilled in. So they the um, the forget the name of the guy who prepares the medicines, but um, he makes these big jugs and you have this big one and you have to finish the entire thing once a day. So you're spending all of this time with this plant. Wow. Um, it's like, it's about a gallon of tea, I would say, every day. Um, and then you are also limited on what they feed you otherwise. So um, the diet is kept very, very plain so that your body becomes more susceptible to the to the plants so um, it was really just a mixture of rice you get either a baked plantain or a potato which are very dry you're not having salt um, and then on some days if we were lucky they would uh, kill a chicken or they would catch some fish in the river um, and then that would be protein and sometimes they would have eggs also um, but it was really a very, very plain diet, so the body would become more susceptible to the plants and also the ayahuasca. Do you um, bathe with the plants as well? Like so there, there are uh, plants that they would give us for our skin. Um, so they would say it would ward away uh, spirits, and then also. Um, I'd be cover myself. <laughs> I, I was extra, please. <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced it was actually helping with the mosquitoes too, because it, it smelled like garlic almost oh. and then um, there's no running water no electricity so we had candles um, and then I mean there was the river to, to bathe in so it's 10 days you get your own little like hut it's called the tambo and yeah it's 10 days in silence five ceremonies and wow that is so, so cool but was it cool? Was it scary? Or like, did you feel safe? Because I'm like, girl, you were in the jungle this, by yourself. This is, this is something that both Megan and I actually totally clashed yeah, on. Yeah, he's all like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do this. This sounds absolutely amazing. I want to, because it was just like, like a a beautiful life altering, mind opening experience for me. And I was like, my path just, just shifted a little. And I'm like, wow. So I heard I that. And I'm like, that's cool. Someone. And she's like, that sounds scary as hell. There's no way in hell I want to do that. And I'm like, I want to do it. Like, so yeah, is it? Definitely times I woke up in the middle of the night thinking there were tigers outside, but not really. Oh, <laughs> no. Ooh, no, no, no. They, so they have, um, they had men patrolling the paths at night. Okay. Yeah, so, so we did better. have protection. Um, they, they patrol with rifles just in case say, anyone were to cross onto the property or, um, there have also, I've heard people have seen jaguars at the ends of the path, but I mean, I'm not really, I never saw anything myself. So yeah. there, there were many times I woke up in the middle of the night cause I'd hear something crash like deep in the jungle. And I, I would freak, it was scary. Yeah, it was scary. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you are a badass, seriously. <laughs> wow. So, Talk, touch a little bit too on, I'm kind of, am I jumping around? Do you have any yeah. other questions about plant medicine? Because no, no. I'm curious about the sound meditation. I'm a, I'm big, big into meditation, but I, I haven't been opened up to so much of like the sound meditation. And I know it's got profound healing benefits. Can you explain that? And by the way, yours was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That was I, my first experience. Me too. I've never even heard about that before. I'm like, person. oh, what's a sound meditation? I went there and I was like, 
what was that? Like, that was so cool. So uh, to have such a, a beautiful gift for that is so, I'm, I'm so interested in that world because again, I'm still very new to that too. I mean, I feel like I'm new to, new to it also, but I, it's, there's so much we're still learning about the instruments and why they work. But um, so sound is a really wonderful tool to meditate because it gives humans something to focus on while we're meditating. When there's nothing there, a lot of people can struggle with the, the fact that there's nowhere for our minds to go. Our minds like to be busy. So when there's something there for our minds to, to focus on, it, it relieves a lot of the stress about, oh, well, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> so, and the way that these instruments work, I work with a number of harmonic overtone emitting instruments. So the instruments that I work with emit these harmonic overtones, which is um, a bunch of layers of tones, a bunch of layers of sound, and it creates, um, so it's binaural. So the waves are, it's gonna, be like a little healing bit. I wouldn't say healing so much, but it's just our brain responds to a binaural sound. So a binaural sound is that sound that goes so oscillating. So it's it's um, when our brains register that sound. It actually, there have been uh, my mentors done brainwave scans, and it the brain reacts and slows down. So. With intention, it can, so if we pay attention to it, it can actually drop the brain into a theta wave state. So it's a state right before deep sleep. Right. I so, wonder, so I fall asleep to binaural beats and I swear it helps me sleep. There's this one particular beat that I listen to every night. So I, I'm, I guess that's why. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had too much experience with the recorded sounds. I work uh, most right. with the um, with the instruments themselves, just because I have found so much. So I'll, I'll give a little story about that also. I was at a festival once and I had taken some psychedelics and I was having a really, really, really difficult time. I couldn't be around people and I went into, there was a teepee on the property and I went into that space and there were bowls set up and no one else was there. And these are the Himalayan singing bowls. Um, and so I didn't know what to do. I was trying to breathe. I was trying to help this anxiety and tension uh, come out of my body, but nothing was helping. I wasn't able to settle. And then so I saw the instruments and I started playing with them. And then all of a sudden I started to feel so much calmer. And I, it was just, it was very curious to me. And then a few months later, I'm at a festival and my now one of my mentors and friends was giving a talk about the science behind sound meditation and why it works. And I ran up to him after the talk and I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Now I understand why, like I have uh, anxiety, like I've had a history of anxiety disorders and I found these bowls this one time and had this really profound experience. And he, he taught me a little trick also. If you take two electric toothbrushes and put one on each side, it also creates the same binaural sound. What? The little trick. Yeah. So Dave's gonna come home, I'm gonna be meditating in our room with like, <laughs> <laughs> try it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. So people, okay. 
anxiety um, or any type of like uh, hyperactive disorders that if you use two toothbrushes it will help soothe them well that's amazing for everyone listening to hear that's, that's fantastic really cool. i love that yeah you've always <clears throat> and uh, you know this is just from observing and like listening and hearing and reading more about your story you've always been had this deep connection with music have or as i guess it's grown because we haven't even spoke about the fact DJ. that you're a freaking DJ. I That's know, awesome. That is so cool. That is so cool. And producer. So do you produce do you produce music like that plays at retreats and things like that? Or yeah, speak more on that. The, the retreats I do are mostly uh, healing retreats. So it's retreats yeah. where um, a lot of them have been uh, female only. So we do these women's retreats. Um, but I mean, so I do a lot of the music programming. It's I'm choosing the music for um, that they use under workshops, or I work directly with the teachers to play music that they've chosen, or I choose music for them to elicit a certain response depending on what we're working with. Um, are we gonna? I said that's no, nice. I that's awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the retreats is is more just. Um, working with playlists so songs okay. that i choose that i think will elicit a response depending on what the workshop calls for or um anything like that um the production is more um i'm working in the electronic music world so yeah. that's something more it's a little different yeah <laughs> so you dj all over like new york new york and around the country for festivals also is amazing that's so cool yeah one of the things we are <clears throat> it's crazy because we had all these visions and ideas and everything kind of came to fruition and now this movement with magical that's happening it's going towards healing retreat centers like creating those and like you know around austin and then some uh, we have ideas international spots yeah. and stuff like that so it's just so interesting how all this stuff is like tying together and like you finally get aligned and connected with the right people and the one thing i love about this space and i'm not i don't like to talk in absolutes but for the majority of the people we've connected with and we're meeting there's this beautiful sense and i've not seen this anywhere else of a altruistic motive of truly wanting healing for mother earth and people like it's not like it's not like about my necessary like greed or ego or wants it's like no wow there is this healing there i want it for people to experience this and mother earth needs to heal like there's this consensus so when you get well, when all you that experience this type of profound healing it changes obviously it changes you but it's like i have to tell people about this like unfortunately it took me for like well I, I suffered for about 33 years but it's like it took me a long time to get here and it's like my god i feel called to like save people the time you know because like man ugh, it's such a blessing one of the things we're learning too which i'm sure you can <clears throat> you you know you can speak on this but it's one of the the concept so much that this medicine truly does have to call to you though yeah like that seems to yes. be just a huge part of it because, um, you know, across the board, I've heard people be like, you can't, this isn't, it's, it's, even though it was great for you, that doesn't mean it's for everyone by any means. Right. It has to, you actually have to feel that internal calling towards it. Absolutely. Did you go through that too? When you first experienced it, you're like, oh, I want to tell people. And then you realize real quick, like, no, it actually has to call to you. Um, I had a difficult relationship with it to start. It wasn't yeah. something that I felt the need to spread to other people because I still didn't understand it myself. And yeah, um, yeah. 
it's still not something that I will advocate per se. It's not something I am outwardly uh, telling people, oh, you should, because I right. don't. Right. I don't believe in telling anyone they should do anything. If 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 I talk about it, it comes up in conversation. They're like, oh, that sounds like something like I might try. I'll, I'm happy to give information, but I don't believe that it benefits anyone to say what someone else should or should not do. Yeah. It, um, and I mean, it's it's it is a beautiful medicine. I believe I have seen so much healing from it by myself, and then also through the groups that that I've been a helper for. But um, it it is really something that needs a dedication to if you decide to go that route. It's not something that you should just go oh because my friends are going. It's, right. It's, right. It's something to be respected and prepared for. Right. Man, that's so, it's that's not so, something you just want to go do for fun. That's so that's so well said. That's something that I took away too. Like in my uh, years ago, um, whenever I used to experiment a lot with psychedelics, uh, it was just a different relationship. And then I had a very clear message to take a break from them for a while. And then after my last experience, it was this message of like, there's these medicines are so sacred. And then it makes you like you see life is so much more sacred. Like things are so much more sacred than people than, than some people tend to realize and I know I did for for years of experimenting with psychedelics years and years ago I was just like wow I mean they were beneficial but when you take it in that sacred light it's just a whole well, other thing the power of intention too. right like, so I was gonna say the structure is is what's a huge part of the experience because we can recreationally take things and have this fun time but right I believe that these psychedelics, whether it's LSD or mushrooms or ayahuasca, that it, the healing comes from the work afterwards and, and also having that support. So during it and also after to, to work with people that, that hold you accountable and also are able to help you process because these things, are, we can't always understand them. So it's, it's really... Yeah, it's it's something that I think having people who are well versed in this world, it's really important to have. How do you feel about dosage um, when it comes, especially like to ayahuasca? Um, do you feel that you know you can get the same amount of healing off taking just a very mild dose, or do you feel like it serves the person if they're feeling called to do that work? to go deep, to take a stronger dose? And do you feel like it does allow you to go deeper and get more healing work, clarity, whatever you're looking for and tending out of it? Um, how do you feel about dosage on, on, on ayahuasca? I mean, it's really hard to say just because it's such an individual. Yeah, thing. yeah. It, depending on the person, depending on their background, depending on their psyche, depending on the group, because yeah. I mean, me personally, I'm very sensitive to people in general. So if the group is either large or say it's the first night of a dieta, I know everybody's going to have a lot to work through. Whereas like the last ceremony of a dieta, I know people work through most of their stuff. So I, as someone who is sensitive, can go a bit deeper that night. Mm, Got it. That makes sense. Really good point. Yeah. So it's, it's really, um, it, it's very much up to where you are psychologically. I, I've done both. I've, I've gained so much from 
a small dose. And also, I mean, ayahuasca specifically is not dose specific. There have been nights where I've taken a teeny bit and I'm <laughs> out of the world. <laughs> well, that's like you taking that strong dose the night that I had yeah, my shit show. That was mind blowing. I, I decided to go deep that night, but because of what she went, she was going through, Mother Aya was like, nope, sobered so me up that? completely. I went, I, I mean, I had a very, one of the stronger doses you can take, but I, but I, I straight up sobered up because of what I, I had to, it. I had to like be there and like, like be there for her yeah. and intention to like kind of give strength to her for everything she was going through because so of that. So that's what happened. That, sh that shows that it's like an intelligence behind yeah. it. There, there's absolutely an intelligence behind it. That, that is something I've tried to, to work through with my cynical brain, but it, <laughs> it absolutely. Oh, no, I believe it. Yeah, the fact that he could be sober so quickly, the fact that you went through what you went through, proves proves that you know. And it also sitters, it's it's really when you you feel responsible for other people, you you will be. It's an energetic medicine, so energetic in the way that if you need to be there for someone, it will allow you to be there for someone. If you're feeling sensitive energetically, it will amplify that sensitivity. If the group is going through something, it's it's very energetic. Yeah. That is one thing I found for sure. Wow. Well, uh, bring us up to speed on what you're doing now. What you got, what you're working on, what you're doing. Tell us about your life, where you're up to right now. Oh my goodness, so much. Um, <laughs> I held a meditation this past week for a sound meditation. So I hold sound meditations in New York City. Uh, this was a private one for a chef that was doing a dinner. So New York is doing this interesting um, thing now where we have experiences so it's like you'll come for a dinner and then have a sound meditation before or after um i also work for a really wonderful um project called ecstatic dance in new york city so it's a sober dance party uh without speaking and then we have a night where it starts off with a dance class and different styles of dance at the beginning of the night and then i'll dj do a dj set for people to dance so i i like to use a lot of different cultural music get people moving and then works into a meditation, a sound meditation at the end of the night. So there have been one where I'll work with the bowls and then bring them into the sound and then some vocals also. That's so um, unique. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, you sing cool. as well. She sings too. Yeah. With a beautiful voice. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, there, there's a lot happening. Most of it's New York based um, and then probably also some festivals over the summer. That's awesome. What a fun life. That are, sounds so fun. <laughs> one random question. Are you, and if you don't feel comfortable answering, you don't have to, are you pursuing that shamanism type route or still unsure? I just know it calls to some people, some people it doesn't, or? Do you mean my, like, becoming a... Yeah, going the route of shamanism. Yeah, becoming a shaman, perhaps. Serving, ah, uh, no. I no, mean, okay. I really very honored to be able to contribute in the ways that i've been invited to uh, which you've both experienced but i i don't feel as though that is my uh, my role i am happy to uh, use my voice and um or helping people with breathing exercise or other techniques that i've learned to work through my own uh difficulties but it's I, j I don't really feel like that's my my calling or my world. I, yeah. I, I want to leave it up to the people who's like that's their. Oh yeah. yeah. 
studied in the jungle and I mean some of them it's been part of their families for their entire lives yeah yep that the more the more I've uh, learned more about them too I feel the same way I'm like oh, I'm just gonna let them do their thing and uh, I'm happy to know and be a part of it but yeah. I'll leave that role to those people yeah. <laughs> well yeah, it's, it's something that the, a lot of people talk about is is whether it's appropriate for for people that are not of that culture to uh, yeah but that makes sense I guess I, I can I think where I land is is if they've studied with the culture for an extended period of time, then it makes sense. Um, but it is definitely not something where someone should order it off of <laughs> online and then you know serve. Oh gosh, no! You, don't take a Udemy class, uh, Udemy course on how to be a salesman, <laughs> and you're fine. <laughs> it happens. You'd be surprised. I've heard. I've oh, heard. Don't even say that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I've even heard of people ordering it offline and taking it at home alone, which is, I would never recommend. Oh, I feel no, like that's like I would the never opposite want to say. do that. Like, <laughs> oof. Well, I think it's important to be in a safe place and have people facilitating and like having people like you, those sitters, to help you work through things and process things. Like, that's everything. I can't imagine taking that by myself. Good Lord. Woo. Well, Megan, first off, uh, I can't put into words how much we both from the bottom of our hearts thank you like for just that night creating such a just being there and being like a sounding board and just creating that safe space for her to figure out that yes. she yes. did want to move forward and you were just you know everything that she but needed. You, she helped me yeah. make that decision yeah like you you said it perfect. It was beautiful. It was, yeah. and you were just such an instrumental piece. Uh, and you're like, you're in the book. Like you're in everything. You're part of our story. Oh, yeah, you we're really writing are. A book. <laughs> like you're, you're, because it was such an, it was such a pivotal moment that because you were so collected and calm. Your and like, energy is and, so calming. Angelic, and, and from because of that, she realized she wanted, she wanted to move forward. And from there, it happened. And then Magical was really born. And everything, this whole movement, these. This whole we thing tried to it. launch Magical so many times, and there was always something blocking it, resistance, and it's because I needed to heal a yeah. lot mm -hmm. further. I further, needed to yeah. to heal before it could really take off. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and yeah. thanks for making time for us on here. This yeah. has been so cool talking to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything that we left out, or anything that you wanted to to mention at the end while while we're on here? I mean, not that I could think of, no. I mean, so, I, I, I'm really honored to have been, again, been a part of this and, and really edu educating people about how wonderful this medicine is and yeah. do it the right way. And yeah. Yes. And the, the last thing we always ask everyone that comes on is if you could leave the world with one message, what would it be? Ooh. Yeah, no pressure, right? Right on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um... All you need is love. Oh, that's I love great. that. No pun intended. <laughs> awesome. Well, you are amazing, Megan. Thank you so, so much for coming on, and we cannot wait to see you yes. again. Thank Bye. you. Right. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. You too. Bye. Bye.